one thing I did, you know, kind of peep from walking in day one, there's there's an aura that you get when you plan it, when you play as a member of the uh, New England Patriots. And and that aura can sometimes be like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just the Patriot way to a degree from the outside looking in, but from the inside looking out, man, these guys are really, you know, the, 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 they really enjoy the process as well as myself and me being a member, I'm just lucky to be here. We are back with another episode of the Patriot Way podcast. Once again, we're brought to you by GuyBostonSports.com. Make sure to check out Guy Boston Sports for all of our latest stories. We're talking Red Sox tanking draft picks, future. We're talking Celtics draft pick, future, and what they're going to do after the Eastern Conference Finals lost. We're talking Patriots all the time because the season's in full swing now, three games in. Patriots pick up victory number two against the Las Vegas Raiders in what I felt like was dominating fashion. So how do we feel about victory number two? That's right. The Patriots won this one 36-20. And like I said, I felt a little more distant than that. I felt the Patriots were in full control throughout. Uh, there was a couple times I thought they could have put their put their foot on the throats of the Raiders and really put the game away, and they didn't. But regardless, they did get the win, which is always a good thing to see. The, the Raiders did get that garbage time touchdown to make it 36-20. Overall, just a good performance from the Patriots. And I think one of the things that we have to take out of this game and feel good about is that Cam Newton did not play well. One of the things, the biggest talking point in New England around the around the league had been how good Cam Newton was to start this entire season. Not, you know, he was good throughout it and he was good through the first two games. He was great in week two in Seattle, even though we lost and he was fantastic. He was not very good in this game, despite being fantastic in weeks one and two. He struggled early on. He struggled to get going. And I think the solace you have to take in that is that the Patriots still looked really good and still looked like the better team in this one against what I think is a pretty good Vegas Vegas football team. They did have some injuries this week, which did help us. But overall, they the Patriots did look like a better team and led most of the game and led throughout. I, I was very confident with the win, and I felt really good about it at the end, despite Cam Newton not playing at his most effective. I think that this is becoming a storyline, I think, a little bit with the offense that people aren't talking about because in the end it, it does look good and Cam Newton did bounce back and play better towards the second half and after that really just abominable first quarter with the interception as well and uh, I think one of the things that is continuing to happen is that our offense is just getting off way too conservative I don't know if it's something with what they approach Belichick McDaniels want to have or if it's just this team is going to take a couple drives to get its leg outs from under them which you know, against good teams like Kansas City next Sunday, that's not really something you can get away with in the National Football League against those best teams. I really think that looking at a big picture, I think we could start to look a little big picture now. We have a little bit of a grasp on these teams three games in. There's still obviously a long way to go, but I think big picture through three weeks is you can feel pretty good that the Patriots, I think, are clearly in that tier two of AFC teams. I still think that there's uh, a large discrepancy between Tier 1 and Tier 2. Tier 1 being the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And honestly, I think that there's a... 
after the Monday night game, it feels like there's a pretty clear discrepancy between number one and number two of that tier one because uh, the Chiefs just looked way better. They could have scored whenever they wanted against that really good Ravens defense. And it was the perfect Lamar game plan. The 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 defensive linemen there, uh, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, did a really good job of forcing him out of the pocket but not chasing him in the backfield and just running laterally rather than chasing him upfield. One of the things that Bill Belichick actually preaches a lot against really good running backs is that he, you know, the defensive line goes up a yard and defends the line of scrimmage. They don't try and chase these guys because they're too athletic. And they did that a lot with Lamar and it really worked and it got him out of his groove I think early on, run, they kind of abandoned the running game because they were deploying the system. And Lamar just proved that he isn't able to make some of those throws when he he's backed into a corner like that. They forced him out of the pocket. They forced him rolling right. And he wasn't comfortable making a lot of those throws in the first half. But enough about Kansas City. Obviously, we'll talk a little bit about them towards the end of the podcast and how the Patriots match up with them. Let's talk about the game against the Raiders. Once again, like I said, the offense in the first three drives had 13 plays, 34 yards, and an interception, which just isn't isn't good enough to start games. Like I said, they're coming out very conservative. They didn't throw the ball a lot the first couple drives, and then Cam Newton was pretty wild starting that uh, third and fourth drive. That third drive, it was after the fumble. They finally get a first down, and then Newton throws one that, you know, I think he... It was a man-to-man coverage situation, and Jonathan Abrams, their safe, the talented safety, not just a safety, really talented safety for the Raiders, was on Devin Asiasi, and I think Newton thought he was going to continue on Asiasi as Asiasi broke upfield down the sideline, and Abrams just read what Newton was looking at, and he broke off Asiasi, came up and intercepted the ball. I think the attempt was to bird on that pass play. I'll have to go back and look, but yeah. So it was just a good play by the safety and a bad throw by Newton. You have to give him, you know, he can't stare down the receiver like that. And I think that's the one thing you have to think about with Newton through these first couple games is, you know, the couple of interceptions he's thrown, it's because he's blatantly just staring down one guy that he wants to throw to. He's clearly not comfortable throwing to some of these tight ends every now and then. Definitely not the rookie tight end in Asiasi. He's hit Izzo a couple times, but I definitely think that one of the things I'm going to talk about is how the Patriots can upgrade, and I think that's a position of need that they can address. But so three plays, 34 yards, and then they the offense starts to come alive, led by the running game, which was a big thing going for the Patriots because this Raiders defense, you know, you could have had a guy, you could have grabbed a kid from Everett High School, and I feel like they would have had six or seven yards of carry against this Raiders run defense, which is just awful, especially with Nick Kwiatkowski out. They just look not good at all. There was a ton of holes, and, you know, the, the running backs finally provided that spark plug the Patriots really needed on that third— uh, fourth drive excuse me and it started with the uh the undrafted free agent that everyone's starting to fall in love with that's jj taylor he was kind of that spark plug on that drive it opened up with him getting a nine yard carry on first and ten and then he followed it up with three more yards and that just started opening up it seemed like everything on the play because it was a newton pass for 15 yards to edelman taylor got five more yards on the next carry taylor just you know, I think he's got some work to do in the passing game. He dropped a play that was a potential touchdown. He had one safety to beat down the field on a screen pass, and it just went through his hands. But he just reminds me so much of Deion Lewis. It's so cheap to say because, you know, it's obviously based off the short thing. Um, but he just reminds me so much of him and his just shiftiness, dominion, 
how diminutive he is and his ability to run the ball effectively and catch it once he, you know, once he really gets going. He was good in one of the past weeks catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think that's really where, you know, it's going to be his role. I think the one thing, too, along with Lewis, is that he's shown some good muscle. You know, he's running guys over on some carries, finishing runs, you know, forward, getting... 10 yards, 11 yards instead of 8, 9 yards by getting hit backwards. So I've been a big fan of Taylor thus far. His numbers kind of tailed off towards the end of it because they were running a lot of those pitch plays, and the Raiders really started to read it. But he had 43 yards. He was the third leading rusher on the team. And I think that was the big thing because weeks one and two, Cam Newton was the leading rusher on the team. He led the team in rushing both games, and that was something that really needed to change. And so Sonny Michelle really came alive, as we're going to talk about. Rex Burkhead had his best game of his career, and J.J. Taylor really got going as well. So it was a really positive performance, I thought, from the running backs, and it started with Taylor there. And then it you know, it got Rex Burkhead going. So after that, they uh, get the field goal to uh, you know, tie the game up at three. And it was one of the rare instances so far this season because I think one of the biggest improvements that we've seen through the first two games was the improvement of the red zone offense, which was really bad last year. And, you know, they went 60 yards all the way down to the 15. And then this looked like the Patriots offense of last year. It went three straight incompletions there. Um, But Nick Folk ended up hitting the field goal, which, you know, isn't a guaranteed thing. And... Coming right back from that, it was a long run for the Raiders, and then I think this is the biggest development of the team so far has been the development of Chase Winovich to what I really think is an elite pass rusher. I don't think he's just good. I think he's at the highest level of play at that edge rushing position. You know, if 98.5, the hub, broke it down here, and uh, they said with three weeks in the books, Four players in the NFL have amassed at least five QB hits and a forced fumble. That's Winovich, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Bud Dupree. And then they added Chris Jones to the list after Monday night. So that's pretty good company. If you had 10 combined tackles to that list, then it's just Winovich, Donald, and Chris Jones. So if if there's any situation where a player is at the same or in the conversation with Chris Jones and Aaron Donald, he's clearly doing something right. And that's something that Winovich has just been fantastic. He gets in the backfield on this play. He hits Carr on the arm. The ball comes loose. Patriots get the ball back by a nice recovery from Lawrence Guy. They they also had the fumble recovery earlier, but they were kind of fortunate. And um, Newton followed it up with the interception, so it was kind of negated in the end. But yeah, Winovich just makes a great play here. Lawrence Guy falls on it. Patriots are back in business, and they go down and get another field goal. Another nine-play drive. This one went four minutes to go only 37 yards. But once again, it was, you know, it was J.J. Taylor. Six yards, five yards, four yards. You know, he sets the intensity, and then Rex Burkhead gets a big 17-yard gain to put us in the red zone. Unfortunately, we're unable to convert in the red zone again, but that really just set the intensity for the rest of the game because they get the field goal there. They force the three and out on the next play, or excuse me, the four and out. Uh, They get one first down on a, a big running play. And uh, they get the four and out there, and then they come back and finally get the touchdown where Sony Michelle, back from the dead, there was pieces out, I think Mike Reese had one right before the game, that this was a make-or-break game for Sony Michelle. And I really think it was because, you know, all the talk in the offseason was on Damian Harris this, Damian Harris that, and, you know, 
Damian Harris was a guy at Alabama who, you know, Josh Jacobs looked impressive in this game for the Raiders. Damian Harris started over him. There was a lot of hype on him being kind of that sleeper pick in the draft for a running back position. And, you know, I think he is eventually going to get his touches. It just kind of depends on when he's actually going to get them. And Sonny Michelle really showed up in the second and third quarter to get that opportunity. And he had some of his best runs as a Patriot ever. Like he had two of his longest runs of his career. One of them was a 48 yard run where there was really nowhere to go. And he is, his vision, you know, I, I'm definitely one of the Sonny Michelle detractors. I think a lot of it has to do with, of course, how good Nick Chubb has been taken in the second round of that draft and also Lamar Jackson taken right after him in that first round. I'm definitely one of his detractors, but at the same time, you know, he's never going to have that top end speed. He got beat, you know, he got caught a couple of those long touchdown runs that were really impressive with his vision and his verse, his ability to cut back, you know, he got caught from behind, but I think that his vision and his uh, ability to run between the tackles is really a high level kind of running back at that kind of, at in that kind of game but obviously he doesn't have the top end speed which is why i think that you know this certainly isn't the best running back room in the league because there's no elite player in it but you saw the depth of this running back room because it was michelle but it turned into just a rhythm of michelle between the tackles jj taylor on the edge you know rex burkhead in that jack of all trades running the ball on the outside, running the ball up the middle when he had the openings, and also catching passes out of the backfield. He was our leading re- receiver tonight, or for this game. And uh, yeah, I mean, that versatility, and then we still have the one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league in uh, James White. You know, he's going to take all the time he needs, which he should. Obviously, that's a traumatic situation. We're hoping for the best for him and his family. Um, he's still an elite pass-catcher and one of the best in the league at that pass catching running backs uh and once he comes back once Harris comes back you know I don't know because you also got to include Jakob Johnson on this who I think has been a very good fullback I think that was a position that was a big question mark because James Devlin at his peak was so important to that fullback spot and I think Jakob Johnson's actually been really good um I think he's done a very good job filling in for Devlin and that's six then player backfield players you know you consider five running backs and johnson six players out of a 53 man roster committed to that you think someone would get cut and hopefully move to the practice squad but with the way some of these guys are playing you know if jj taylor's cut i don't see any situation where he's going to be eligible for a practice squad i see him being claimed before that can even happen which is unfortunate but it's kind of the way it works um personally for me i would i would honestly consider cutting Damian Harris because as good as he's looked in practices he also hasn't got game time where all of these guys have proved it during a game all of these guys have proved that they can work out a role during a game and Damian Harris hasn't proved that yet and it's unfortunate it's unfair because he is very talented it seems like but it's also the NFL and that's just kind of how it works where you know talent isn't everything and sometimes you got to catch the break and uh you know if if he does get cut, I hope him for I hope he I hope for the best that he has a good situation wherever he goes, or maybe he ends up on the practice squad and is given another chance. If he isn't cut, then we have a five-headed monster that we can work with in the backfield, and I think every one of those running backs can fill, not only fill a particular role but be very good at it. And I feel very confident with that backfield going forward. Um, 
And then, yeah, I think that that's pretty much wraps up everything I have to say about the offense during this week. I think the one thing, like I said, the conservative approach is once again, once we play better teams, I think the Raiders are a good team. They're not a great team. I think once we play better teams, that conservative approach early is going to start hurting New England. I think one of the things that they have to do is start working some of these receivers into the game earlier and earlier in the game. I wouldn't mind a couple Edelman crosses in the first quarter to start games. I think that the spot Nikhil Harry has improved the most in is just using his body to his advantage. I think that's something that he is easily just going to get better at by getting reps and getting healthy. And... You know, it's not going to hurt if he just runs a couple 10-yard hitches in the first quarter and Newton's looking for that throw because I think one of the things that, you know, rhythm and repetitions is something that's going to help a young receiver like Harry insurmountably going forward. So I think just getting him some of those reps and giving him some of those opportunities early in games is just going to be a big thing. And the same thing for Demir Bird because I think Demir Bird has, I think, six catches so far on the season and he's looked effective. I actually like the way he works with Newton. And I think that could be a good combination. I'm not necessarily as worried about receiver. I don't think it's a great receiving room, but I th- I'm not as worried about it as I was going into the season. A lot of these guys have really impressed me. I think Harry's the one who's really impressed me the most. You know, it looked like almost a lost cause already after year one, and he's really brought it along. And he's just using that size to his advantage. But, you know, just to back up my point here, he's got 13 catches on the year. Two of them are in the first half. 11 are in the second half. So it just tells the discrepancy of what this offense is trying to do in the first half. Plus when they're ready to get going in the second half, you know, they're targeting guys like Harry who have been very good in those situations. So I think that's something that they address. I think that that's something that they'll work in. You know, this is still Cam Newton's third game in this offense and he didn't have any preseason. He had a very weird and wacky offseason where, you know, I can't imagine anything being normal about the way they were practicing in the offseason just for safety reasons. So I think that's something that definitely gets better throughout the season. And if they're still getting off to these slow starts where they're having their first three drives, where they're scoring almost 30 points, but their first three drives is 13 plays, 34 yards, and an interception and two punts, then I get a little worried that maybe against a team like Kansas City, that's a problem. But overall, I feel pretty good about it. The offense looked really good. I want to get a little bit to the defensive side here. Um, I think that the one thing that we have to start saying with New England is they're not the best secondary in the league right now. They're not playing like it. I think that they had a very good game against Fitzpatrick, but I also was misleading. I referenced some of those numbers where he was very efficient on passes 10 yards and in, and uh, I think he was 8 of 13 in that first game. Russell Wilson was borderline perfect. He had one incompletion, which was the pick six because it was just plainly dropped by Greg Olson. And that wasn't nearly Wilson's fault. The play was open and he made the right play. His tight end just let him down there. Derek, Derek Carr. I keep getting Derek and David missed up. Um, It's been a while since David Carr has been in the league, but you know, he was the number one pick at one point. So Derek Carr, um, he was 18 to 22, according to the NFL next gen stat charts on passes, 10 yards and in 18 to 22 um, with two interceptions. So, or not two interceptions, two touchdown passes. Two of his touchdown passes, the late one to Renfro, um, were both off of short passing plays, 10 yards and in. And it's just, I think sooner or later, it is going to be the death of this Patriots team unless they address this early in the season because teams are able to just dink and dunk on them and pick them apart in that way. And, you know, I think one of the things that we're going to have to look at with Kansas City this next week is, you know, people give them credit for you know, the long touchdowns, the speed on this team, but 
where where it's almost unfair with this team is they have guys like Clyde Edwards Alaire now and guys like Travis Kelsey going over the middle that are just so effective from 15 yards and in. And not to mention, you know, that that fullback Sherman caught a touchdown pass on that little flip play that if we're not able to defend those passes 10 yards and in, Mahomes has no problem not throwing the deep ball and just picking us apart. He's that good that he's going to be able to do that. Um, So I think one of that's just where the Patriots have to get better. I haven't been impressed. You know, Gilmore's had the couple pass interference plays that haven't looked great. You know, I didn't expect him to stay at his defensive player of the year level because cornerbacks playing at that high of a level is just so hard. Um, I expected it was pretty obvious that there was going to be regression. So I didn't expect him to be that good. But he's also had some really bad plays and really bad moments where I thought he could have been better on a play. And it just wasn't his usual usual dominant self in that regard. Uh, Jonathan Jones, I thought, really struggled in this one, too. Uh, he was on the Hunter Renfro assignment. And Hunter Renfro was very good in this week. He had the the long touchdown of the or a long pass to the his leg was down at the one yard line to end the first half. That was actually pretty good coverage by Jones. But overall, Renfro was six catches, eighty four yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown was the one at the end of the game, and he kind of made uh he kind of made Jones look a little foolish on that one. That one was with nine targets. I think that the one thing that the Patriots feel good about from their secondary perspective is. The one thing that's been the mantra for Bill Belichick for year after year after year after year, you know, we're on 20, 21, 22 years as him as the head coach, is that your best player on offense is not going to win you your game. And he completely eliminated Darren Waller for this one. He had Darren Waller was leading the league. The Raiders tight end was leading the league in receptions for two weeks. And he finished the game with two catches on four targets for nine yards. And Honestly, I, I almost forgot the first catch. I thought he just had the one catch overall. He was just completely blanketed. And what were the Patriots doing? So essentially, they were throwing a bunch of different bodies at him. Everyone almost took a chance on, took a turn on him. It was Jawan Williams until Williams got a holding penalty on him. It was Kyle Duggar. It was Adrian Phillips. It was uh, J.C. Jackson, Stephon Gilmore. Everyone took a chance on him. And basically, these guys were playing man-to-man on him. But at the back, it was that cover one style man-to-man assignment. And Devin McCourty was essentially just shadowing over the top. It was almost a double team, but also not really a double team. Because if McCourty saw something different, he could have broken off the play. But he wasn't—he was shadowing Waller across the field on multiple possessions. And, you know, it, kudos to Belichick again. Because he just proves time and time again that he's smarter than everybody else. He outplayed them here. Um... So it was an impressive performance against Waller. I think some of the things that the Patriots need to fix is they got to establish who their who their guys are. They're going to be able to lock down some of these guys because they're going to play a lot of man to man. They're going to play a lot of six defensive backs, and if you're going to do that, you know you got to win the one on one matchups. And the Patriots have won a lot of one on one matchups, but they also have lost a lot of one on one matchups. You know you saw it with the Seahawks game how Wilson was able to just pick the matchup he liked the most hit the guy on a crossing route in the end zone, deep ball, whatever it was, and his team won those matchups. You saw it a couple times here where Carr was able to find, you know, they isolated Renfro. They had a couple plays where Brian Edwards found a spot in the zone and made a couple catches. So it's just, if they're going to play this style with the six defensive backs spreading the game out, playing fast, you have to win the matchups. You have to win one-on-one. And I think that's where the secondary really has to improve. Um, 
A couple of notes, uncharacteristically Bill Belichick style and Patriot style was they uh, they burned a ton of timeouts off of just basic substitutions. I think they burned all of their timeouts in the second half and one of the first half by either not having enough guys on the field or having too many guys on the field and not being able to line up properly because of it. The substitution patterns, that is something that I think will get better, but it was a you know glaring in this one. Luckily, it didn't cost us anything in the game um, because they were able to adjust, make plays, and they didn't need those timeouts at the end because they were so far ahead. But it was uncharacteristic to see, but luckily, it like I said, didn't affect them at all. And I think you have to be very impressed with this defensive line. Like I said, Winovich is playing at a very elite level. Uh, I saw Doug Keed said basically this was Dietrich Weiss's best performance as a Patriot. I agree. He was kind of everywhere, not to mention having the defensive touchdown. He had a couple quarterback hits. He had a, he was, seemed like he was in the backfield almost as much as Winovich, not quite as much, but he was just as good in that regard. And with that, I'm going to transition a little bit here to the sidetrack. I'm going to say my do-your-job performance of the week. Like I said, you know the Patriots mantra is we're going to do our jobs better than everybody else. And my do-your-job performer of the week was Diedrich Wise. It's not necessarily the player of the game. It's just the guy who did his job the best and made a huge impact. Diedrich Wise making an impact and getting after those quarterback in the passing down situations, subbing in there, getting in the backfield, affecting Carr, you know, hitting him a couple times, and then being a part of that strip and then fumble recovery in the end zone for the touchdown after great special teams coverage. You know, that was outlined by Belichick, too. It was a perfect play because it was a great offensive drive that got the touchdown. It was a great uh, play by the special teams to tackle him way back there. Plus, you know, the penalty moved him half the distance to the goal. And it was a great play by the defensive line to get after Carr there and strip him. It was almost a safety. The ball came out before his knee hit the ground. Wise gets it in the end zone for the touchdown. So Diedrich Wise, week three, do your job performer of the week. Um, yeah, I think that defensive line looks really good. Um, and it was probably better than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, there was a lot of questions, you know, everyone talked about the secondary, but I had a lot of questions about the the defensive line without those linebackers to cover for them, you know, losing Hightower, Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Alandon Roberts. I had questions about how that defensive line would perform without those guys. They've answered the call and, I still think I have questions about the linebackers because I think if uh, New England isn't able to take that lead early in, or late in the first half and early in the second half, Josh Jacobs still had well over four yards of carry against us. I think that the play in the one linebacker role works to a certain extent in the passing game, but obviously you're giving up a lot in the running game and... You know, against a good team that can run the ball effectively, Raiders are a good team that can run the ball effectively, even with a couple offensive linemen injured. I still felt like that Jacobs almost could have got whatever he wanted whenever he wanted it. I was a little surprised uh, John Gruden actually gave up the running play or stopped abandoning the run a little bit there because I felt like that was setting the tone for them in some of the carries he was able to get. They did stop him a couple times at the line of scrimmage, but overall, I felt like that was too quick to. Uh, give up on that and uh you know Gruden made a lot of mistakes in this one too that just shows even with the timeouts and the substitution issues Belichick completely outcoached him you know he he had the answer for Waller which a lot of people were like he's gonna torch us he did not torch us uh then Gruden of course 
abandons the run game I thought too early with Jacobs and then the kicking play on a fourth and five at the seven yard line which was really just a godsend for the Patriots because they they whip off that six minute drive after that and Gruden has the ball fourth and five at the seven yard line and Romo you know who I usually agree with said he should have kicked the kicked the field goal and he agreed with Gruden's call I did not I thought that he should have gone for it on fourth down because you know you're down 13 points, so you're down two possessions. Kicking the field goal at that point, it's simple math. Kicking the field goal cuts the deficit to 10, which is, once again, you're kicking a field goal down two possessions to still be down two possessions. So the, Raider, the Raiders still need two scores to win the game. If you go for it and get the touchdown, you're, you need one possession to win the game. You need one score. If you don't get it, the Patriots are pinned back at the seven-yard line, and you still need two scores. The same thing if you kick the field goal, but you had the field position advantage. So I didn't agree with the call. The Patriots made them pay with a beautiful drive, six minutes going down the field. This was one of my favorite drives. You know, that's the one thing that I feel really good about this offense. You know, it has some question mark drives throughout the year. I see it over and over again with some of the weird drives that it's just big question marks. But at the same time, they, uh, you know, it doesn't matter because at, at the same time, they just, they have these drives. This play, this drive was 10 plays, 86 yards in six minutes and five seconds. So just like that, they went right down the field and it was just a well-run drive by Cam Newton, well-run drive by the running backs. They killed a lot of time and Rex Burkhead got the touchdown there on a two-yard carry, or excuse me, 14-yard carry. And then two yards for the score. So yeah, Burkhead scores on that one. He got his third touchdown of the day. And uh, yeah, that's where you have to feel really good about the offense when they can do stuff like that. You know, it was just fantastic performance. And that drive really, you know, it wasn't over over, but it was over when that drive happened because there was just no coming back at that point. The, uh, the, the Raiders stalled, kicked the field goal, and then all the momentum was immediately back in New England's favor, just sucking the life out of that later Raiders sideline. And the the crowd noise was just nuts. You know, they were able to boost in all that crowd noise from that point on. Um, so just a great performance from the Patriots. Uh, like I said, Dietrich Wise was the do-your-job performer of the week. Offensive player of the week, this one feels fairly, fairly obvious. It was Rex Burkhead. His complete performance, leading the team in receiving, second in rushing, and this was definitely his best game as a Patriot. He'd been impressive in a lot of different games as well because, you know, he's just a monster. He does what exactly what he needs to do. He had eight yards of carry on six carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns, plus seven receptions, 49 yards and a touchdown. So that's 13 touches in total for 98 yards and three touchdowns. That is efficiency, and that's exactly what you need out of your number three running back, your role-playing running back, who has to step up in the number two position with wide out. So that's, you know, easily deserved there from Burkhead for the offensive player of the game. The defensive player of the game, I'm going, like I said, just turning into an elite-level player before our eyes. It's a beautiful thing to see. Chase Winovich and, you know, that, that beautiful Thor hair had the sack, had the strip sack and fumble, uh, fumble. Seemingly just whenever he wanted to get in the backfield and make a play, he was there. And yeah, I just, I can't say enough about how impressed I've been with him so far this season. So Chase Winovich, there you go. Defensive player of the year. 
Great player overall. I can't wait to see how you continue to develop, which brings us to our next game, which we're really going to need Chase Winovich for this one because we're playing the team that's arguably the best in football in the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champions. The Patrick Mahomes hype train is, you know, as hot as ever with the performance he gave on Monday night, just picking apart a good Raiders or Ravens defense still on the Raiders. No, he picked apart a good Ravens defense and he looked impressive doing it. And yeah, this game, you know, as Patrick Mahomes should, it terrifies me. So we're going to see what happens here and how the Patriots want to align on this one. I actually think that we're going to see a fairly similar game plan. Um, The Patriots do, like I said, Belichick does a really good job of taking out the best player on an opposing team. And... The, the, the issue here is that the Chiefs have multiple best players that you have to address. Obviously, you know about, you know, Mahomes in the backfield, but there's also guys like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the rookie running back who's been sensational and was really just dominant in that second half, catching the ball out of the backfield, establishing a rhythm for that Chiefs offense again when it looked like the Ravens might have a chance to come back. No, they just threw to Alaire a bunch of times and he got a ton of yards. You have Travis Kelsey, um, probably the best pass-catching tight end in the league. I'm not sure he's the best tight end in the league. I really like George Kittle, obviously, the all-around game. You know, he gets a lot of the Gronkowski comparisons. So I think that's something that I think that I like Kelsey a lot, but obviously he's not at that level blocking. But he's still such a weapon for that offense that's so dangerous. And then, of course, they have speed all over the uh speed all over the offensive side of the ball you got you know Tyreek Hill everyone knows about him just one of the fastest players in the league you have Demarcus Robinson one of the fastest players in the league you have McCole Harmon one of the fastest players in the league all of them are on the same roster and oh by the way there's Sammy Watkins who's the slowest one of the group he ran like a 4 4 4 40 so that's a lot of speed to deal with I think the Patriots like I said I think Let's start with the Chiefs side of this. I think the Chiefs offense, especially with Mahomes, has hit that level that I think is that Brady and Manning level of off uh, offense. And what do I mean by that? I think that Mahomes has hit that level that Brady and Manning had where the defense was essentially, you know, you have to rush four guys and defend with everybody else and hope those four guys get there before the quarterback can throw the ball. And, you know, when it works, you know, it's the New York Giants beating us in the Super Bowl. Sorry to bring that up. I know that's a trauma. That's a trauma moment for a lot of you, but that's a trigger for a lot of you. But it's it's the way that it worked with Brady. If you could get him with four guys, you know, you had a shot. But you those four guys have to get there before he can throw the football. Um, blitzing just seems redundant against the Chiefs. You know, you saw the couple times that the Ra- Ravens brought a blitz. And Mahomes just had the answer for it immediately. There was not even a point to blitz because he saw the blitz coming and threw the ball before the blitz could even get past the line of scrimmage, it seemed like sometimes. He was just so good in that regard. I think that you have to rush four guys against him and, you know, hope one of those guys gets him before. So, like I said, this is a big game. We saw, like I said, I think one of the best games from Diedrich Wise as a Patriot. And Chase Winovich is blossoming, I think, into a star at the edge rushing position, especially pass rushing. You know, those two guys have to get to Mahomes. 
especially if we're only going to rush four guys because I just, like I said, I don't think blitzing any rushing any more than that is going to work. So I think you're rushing four guys. And then I think you're seeing a little bit of what you saw against the Raiders where you're going to put one guy on Kelsey at the line of scrimmage. You're going to jam him, bump him, get him out of his rhythm. And then you're going to see McCourty or maybe even Kyle Duggar playing that role because you need McCourty's speed at the back playing the deep safety role. I think you're going to see maybe one of those guys shadowing over the top of Kelsey so he's not getting free crosses over the middle because while I think the big plays really stand out for Kansas City, they're not afraid to throw the ball downfield. Everybody knows this. I think where they really just kill you is by getting those 10-yard crossing routes to Kelsey. So I think that's where Belichick's going to address it and take him out. My guess is what's going to happen is Gilmore's going to line up on Kelsey. He's going to bump him at the line of scrimmage. I think Duggar's going to be over the top of him shadowing, which is a big role for a rookie, but I think he's shown through two weeks. He's been really impressive as a rookie, and I think he's capable of handling that. I think he's going to be shadowing over the top of Doug, uh, Gilmore to take out the crossing routes and not let him get that. And then the other thing that we saw, you know, we play that one linebacker role, and the guy playing up is that safety in that Patrick Chung role, is you see Adrian Phillips up there time and time again, and it's been mixed re- mixed results for me. He struggled against Chris Carson. I thought he looked good in the passing game against Josh Jacobs, taking him out in that regard. And he also did a good job taking out the Miami running backs in that regard. But he's going to take the job of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is the newest dimension of this Chiefs offense, is his ability to leak out of the backfield and just be such a menace. I guess it's not a new dimension. It's just kind of a revisited dimension because they had it with Kareem Hunt. They didn't have it as much with Damian Williams. And now they have it again with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And so I think Phillips is once again going to be on that running back role, you know, kind of keen in on him and manning up on him on the backfield. He did a very good job against Jacobs. He's going to have a tough job again against Edwards-Alaire. And then the Patriots are basically just going to rush for, have Bentley spy the quarterback and hope that Mahomes isn't able to scramble. And they're also going to hope that Bentley is able to answer the call on the running game because if they run the ball, him and Phillips are pretty much going to be the guys in the middle of that defense having to make plays. So I think that's where the that's where you'll see the Patriots probably line up. They'll play a lot of the same sort of format with six cornerback, six defensive backs on the field. I see McCourty, who's still one of the fastest players in the league at 32, which is sensational. I think his interception return against the Seahawks was one of the fastest runs in football by next gen. Once again, so he's going to be up over top. And I think you're going to see, once again, like I said, when you're playing this man-to-man cover cover one style, one guy over the top, the the key for the Patriots is just going to be winning these one-on-one matchups. They didn't win them against Seattle. They're going to have to find a way to win them in this one. So if if Gilmore's locking up Kelsey with Duggar over the top of him, that presents Jonathan Jones, Jawan Williams, J.C. Jackson, Jason McCourty on the rest of these guys. Uh, like I said, I thought Jones struggled a lot in his game. I thought he struggled a lot against Renfro, but he's also our fastest cornerback. He was, I think he uh, posted the 15th fastest time for a cornerback in NFL combine history at 433. He's going to be probably a lot of the Tyree kill guy in that regard. I think that he's going to have to try and keep him from getting those big plays. I think if, you know, if McCole Harriman or Demarcus Robinson end up beating you downfield, you kind of just have to live with it with this Chiefs offense. You really don't want Tyreek Hill beating you time and time again because he's good enough to do it. 
So I think Jones is going to be playing that spot where he's playing at the back and trying to limit Tyree Kill's big plays and trying to limit, you know, one of the things that Hill is being really good at that's I think his underrated part of the game is his route running. And a lot of his route running is based off his speed because then his next route is essentially, he doesn't have a lot of routes in his route tree, but his next route is essentially he fakes the go route, the fade route. And then he just stops on a dime and comes back with the hitch, the comeback route towards the sideline. And it's almost a good 10, 12 yards every time. So I think that with McCourty over the top at the, as that deep safety role, uh, Jonathan Jones or JC Jackson, whoever's on Hill is just going to have to win that battle and try and limit as many of those 10 to 12 yard hitch routes as he can, while also keeping in mind that Hill can burn him whenever he wants. It'll be interesting. To, I think that's going to be the biggest matchup. Uh, because I think they are going to deploy Gilmore a lot on Kelsey, which I think is the right move. So whoever's on that Hill matchup, that could make or break this game. And then, of course, you'll see Jawan Williams, who was good besides a couple bad. Uh, he had the holding penalty against Darren Waller. Jawan Williams and uh, J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones on those other two dynamic receivers. Like I said, the Patriots defense right now, I don't think the secondary has been as good as it was last year. It doesn't. It hasn't played like the best secondary in the NFL, like they were hyped up as last year. Uh, they haven't played like it this season, but I think it really just comes down to man-to-man. Are they going to win those one-on-one matchups? So if they can win those one-on-one matchups, I, th- I feel pretty good about this defense. If they're not, it could be a really long night where the Chiefs are dropping 40. And the offensive game plan is, you know, it's not really a secret what teams start to do against Mahomes and the Chiefs. It's... The Patriots perfected this system as well as they could have because Mahomes still ended up getting his points even when he had limited time, which is essentially limit the clock, play this game as quickly as possible. You saw week one, the Patriots had 42 rushing attempts. I think we're going back to that. I think it's going to be a lot of Newton carries, a lot of, you know, we're going to, if Damian Harris is good to go, we're going to be rolling a lot of five running backs out there getting carries in this one. We're going to make this game as quick as possible. We're going to limit the possessions for the Chiefs so that they're not just, you know, running rampant on offense against us because our defense is going to be tired quickly with how fast these guys are. We have to keep them off the field as much as possible. Even if you love this defense, even if you trust this defense more than I've said so far today, it's just the fact that you got to keep them off the field against this Chiefs offense. There's no scenario where the Chiefs are winning the time of possession battle, and it's a good situation for our defense. So I think you're going to see close to 40, 42 carries again for the Patriots in this one, like that week one game against the Dolphins, where Newton, Harris, if he's ready to go, White, if he's back, Burkhead, definitely, Michelle, definitely, and... um, J.J. Taylor, I just talked about him and I'm forgetting his name already. You know, a lot of those guys are going to get going on the ground and they have to, you know, get first downs, get positive carries, three, four yards of carry and get first downs, keep the clock moving and keep Mahomes off the field. And then after that, it's going to be a lot of play action segments. It's going to be play action, hitting Edelman on that crossing route, which is the staple of the New England offense hitting guys like Harry on those hitch routes that he's become so good at using his body and his size, boxing out those cornerbacks. And that's just going to be the game plan. And I don't think they're going to take a lot of shots because that, that Sneed, the rookie cornerback out of the chiefs has proven that he can make some plays at the back. Tyree Matthews has proven he can make some plays at the back. He's probably one of my favorite Patriot non-Patriot players. Tyree Matthew, he's just all over the field. 
able to do so many different things in that free safety, almost big nickel role. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, and I respect his game. And they're going to put him all around the field to try and confuse Newton. And I think Newton's just got to play perfect football. You know, he doesn't have to put up the Seattle numbers like he did in week two. He has to essentially be Miami Cam Newton, which, you know, I think the thing that people want to put in perspective is we were so shocked with how good he looked week one and week two. We were ready to give him, you know, a $130 million contract, which I think is crazy through three games. I, I really like what I see at Cam Newton, but I'm not ready to pay anybody after three games of work. But we don't need week two Cam Newton 16 games a season. We need essentially week one Cam Newton where he's playing borderline perfect football with efficiency and not making any mistakes. We need week one Cam Newton essentially 14 games out of the year with a couple of games where he's Superman Cam like week two Newton. And I think this is a very good football team. I think that's where this team could win and be very successful for years to come. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean, this is this is easily the toughest matchup of the season for the Patriots. It's keeping Mahomes off the field, bleeding that clock, which I think they can do really effectively with all these running backs, especially if White and Harris come back. And if Newton plays mistake-free football like he has in week one, not like he did in week three, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm I, I'm talking myself into this as a Patriots fan. I feel like they can win this game. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. But I feel like they can definitely win this game if they do all of those things. So I'm looking forward to this game. This is always fun when Mahomes and Belichick go up against each other. Uh, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see the chess match him and Reed go back and forth with with that offense against that defense so we're looking forward to that that's of course sunday afternoon make sure to check that one out um we'll talk about it next week next wednesday and we're going to wrap this up i think with a final segment which we're going to talk about you know i want to do a big picture segment at the end of each podcast now that we're getting into the season we're three games into the year like i said it's not a clear big picture but you know it's not the full um 16 chapel but you know we we've got the framework here we've got some of the painting down and i think we have a pretty good idea what this patriots team is going to be and i think for the first big picture segment what i'm going to talk about is the additions that the patriots could make that could potentially put this team towards closer to a super bowl contender because i don't think this team's as far off as people want to think and so i think that what the patriots could do i think like I said, I think that the AFC right now has two definitive tiers. I think that first tier is Baltimore or Kansas City, a long stretch than Baltimore. I think that tier two division is four teams. I have New England, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and uh, Tennessee is probably the fourth team on that list, but I think they are on that list as that tier two team, and the Colts are really close too. Those two teams are going to be fun to watch out of the AFC South, but you can have a debate who's the third best team in the AFC. You know, you could talk me into Pittsburgh, Buffalo, New England as a third best team in the AFC right now. I could talk, I, I think I would on a limb right now say Pittsburgh is. But like I said, you could talk me into any of those three teams. Um, and that's essentially where the Patriots have to get a little better. I think that they're legitimately two or three pieces away from potentially vaulting Buffalo and Pittsburgh and hitting that first tier where they're competing with Baltimore and Kansas City for a potential Super Bowl appearance. So I'm going to list here five players that I think the Patriots could add 
that could put them in that contention zone. And the first one I'm going to list is a tight end on a team that's kind of floundering. They're not doing a good job. And I think that this has actually become the biggest position of need for a couple of years for the Patriots, but we're so worried about the explosiveness at wide receiver that we almost overlook it. Because when the Patriots offense was at its best 2010-2011, they had the best position uh, tight end position group in the league. And I think this is definitely a position we can upgrade right now. Ryan Izzo does have two catches, but it's only two catches, and he hasn't looked like the part of a number one tight end in the NFL. Um, and then I think tight end is up there with cornerback and quarterback as one of the toughest position groups to learn and adjusting your first season as a tight end. So even if you do see strides out of Devin Asiasi, whose snapcat has gone up, it's unlikely that he's going to be a major contributor in week one or in his first year of the NFL. So the first guy I have is a guy who's almost got lost in translation and just been completely frozen out of a offense of a team that's really slipping, like I said. That's Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph only has a few catches on the season. The Minnesota Vikings have done a terrible job of working how much talent he has into that offense. He did have an incredible one-handed catch for a touchdown from only three yards out uh, last week. So I think he's a guy that would present an immediate upgrade to New England at the tight end spot. And his he has the highest cap hit, I think, of the guys I list here. And his contract is long, but it's also set up that in... You know, he is 30, I get it. So, but he also is in a position where it's 8.25 million, 8.825 million next year, where the Patriots have $24 million in cap space, 9.45 million next year, where they have a lot more cap space, close to $90 million. And then after that, you can either pay him at 32, $10.2 million, or he only has a $2.9 million cap hit if you decide to cut him. So, I think that either way, I think that's a no-lose situation because you can get him for two years while those guys develop. They can learn under him. And I still think that he can be a very, you know, he's probably not a top five tight end in the league, but I still think he can be a guy who's a top, a higher level tight end in football when he's on the field with a good offense around him. And he's just not getting that in Minnesota. So Kyle Rudolph's the one guy I would go. I'm actually doubling up on tight end here because the second guy I would bring up if you want a younger, maybe a little cheaper option is David Njuku out of Cleveland, I think that talent-wise, he looks terrific. He looks agile. He looks like he can make a ton of plays. He gets injured a lot. He's currently on IR, but he's eligible to come back not this Sunday the 4th, but next Sunday on the 11th. He's able to play in that game, so he'd be eligible to come back at that point. I think that he'd be a cheaper option at tight end that they could get. You know, there are a lot of Zach Ertz rumblings, but I think Zach Ertz, you know, I, Belichick is not going to deliver the trap capital necessary to bring in a guy like Ertz. So I think Njoku makes a lot of sense there. As the second guy I bring in, I'd consider bringing in at tight end. They could probably get him from cheap because he got hurt again and he's not doing too well in Cleveland and it looks like he needs to relocate, especially given the guys they have in front of him with Beckham, Landry, Austin Hooper all getting targets before him. So I have two tight ends, and then I'm going to go to wide receiver because people do want to talk about wide receiver. And while I have been impressed with the wide receiver group here in New England, I think it's a position that they could definitely upgrade still. I'm not going to take that for granted. And so I would go with Marvin Jones out of the Detroit well with Matt Patricia. I think he's in, you know he's not going to cost as much as someone like Odell Beckham, 
He's not going to cost us so much like a guy like Allen Robinson who wants a big contract extension, but he is in a contract year, so it's a one-year guy they could probably get for pretty cheap, and he's still really talented. He's still a really good receiver, I think. He's kind of a hit-or-miss guy because he's a deep threat, but that's exactly the Patriots need someone who can be explosive, who can hit the deep ball for them. So Marvin Jones, I think, makes a lot of sense. He is the receiver I would list as that potential guy, and... You know, getting way quickly from receiver here, because I'm going to come back to it here with number five. But we're number four. I'm going to go with Gerard Davis. Speaking of Detroit, you know, I'm doubling up here. I think that he's an inside linebacker who looked really good his first couple of years, really struggled his last two years. They declined his fifth year option because of it. He struggled staying on the field at points. I think that he's a guy that would be a perfect buy low candidate. You get him for one more year at a really cheap contract rate. You essentially let him walk in free agency after the season, or if you really like what he see and he's a little bit revitalized, moving to a new place because I don't think a lot of players are playing very well and maximized under Matt Patricia. So you could get him for a pretty cheap contract, maybe see what he can do. If he looks good, you could probably re-sign him for not too expensive of a contract as an inside linebacker, or you could let him walk if it doesn't work out. I think one of the reasons I would do this because I know they like to play, you know, Phillips forward in that kind of upfront role as that sixth defensive back. But, you know, hypothetically, if New England matches up with a team like Baltimore in the playoffs, that running game for Baltimore just looks like it could be a disaster if they're playing just Jawan Bentley in the middle of the field as the inside linebacker. If you have a heavy running team like that, you could bring a guy in like Davis uh, to play a second inside linebacker role to kind of help in that run game in that run defense. I think that's a play that can make a lot of sense. And, you know, Davis is kind of that new mold of linebacker where he's a little smaller, a little bit quicker, but he can also defend the run really well. Or when he's at his peak, he can defend the run really well. So he could be a revitalization project. And then number five, we're getting a little crazy here, is what if I saw this uh, going around, and I think it could be a fun thing, with a team that's 0-3, likely firing their coach, what if Bill Belichick just said fuck it at that point and went all in on Julio Jones to the New England Patriots? This is the most outrageous one of the five. You know, if they brought in one of these guys, I would be really I would be really satisfied. If they could bring in, you know, Jones, Davis, and um, Rudolph, I'd be very, very, very happy and they'd have some good pieces that I think put them in a contender level. If they bring in Julio Jones, that changes the entire offense that it could be truly special because Julio Jones is obviously a special player. So that would be my fifth option. It would require a lot. It would require probably a first-round pick plus more. Um, or, you know, the Falcons just could pull Bill O'Brien and give him to us for nothing. You know, who never, whoever knows with that one. But Julio Jones would be my fifth one. So that's my big picture segment. The Patriots, are, I think, are two or three pieces away from being a real Super Bowl contender and competing with the Chiefs and Ravens. And those are the five guys that I would list to fill those two, maybe three holes if you're looking at it that way. So that's going to be it for the Patriot way this week. I'm really looking forward to this game um, for a multitude of reasons because, like I said, it's, it's a fun game to watch. I don't have any ill will towards the Chiefs. I respect the hell out of Andy Reid and what this team is doing and what they have done. Uh, but this Patriots team is just so fun to watch, and I can't wait to see it. And I do think that the one thing that I've seen from this Chiefs run that of one Super Bowl, by the way, I might need to add for everybody listening, 
one Super Bowl. I think the one thing I've seen from this Chiefs run is we need to calm down with how quickly we're ready to call someone a GOAT. You know, it took Brady 20 years to earn that moniker. Patrick Mahomes has to win more than one Super Bowl and one MVP to be considered the GOAT. You know, let's wait till he potentially, if he ever does, wins three or four Super Bowls before we're ready to call him the GOAT. I'm not ready to call him that. This is for Patriot pride. This is for Boston pride. We got to beat up Patrick Mahomes here and show him that there's no real no real GOAT conversation yet. I'm looking forward to this game. So it'll, it'll be exciting to see. Go Pats, baby. I'm looking forward to the game at Kansas City. Let's hope we can pull out a W. We'll talk about it next Wednesday. Thank you, Pats Nation. It's next Wednesday.